Good day. This is Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. On the program today, I'm going to be sharing a conversation with author and activist Cindy Milstein. Cindy has long created spaces within social movements, uh, within anarchist activist networks, to reflect together on the meaning of being involved in struggles for social change, the importance of creating reflection within the movement, and movements, I would say, is something very important for Cindy. Uh, they have been very active in creating a strong network across cities, um, from Detroit to the Bay Area to Montreal to Atlanta. Uh, Cindy has really worked in meaningful ways to create bridges and ties across different struggles um, in North America, Turtle Island. Cindy's latest book is Try Anarchism for Life, The Beauty of Our Circle. And this is a series of short essays that are accompanied by artwork that were created by artists um, from all over the place, uh, reimagining, redrawing, reinterpreting, designing the Circle A, uh, standing for anarchism, uh, autonomy. And it's a beautiful book, and it builds on a long series of books that Cindy has written which um, have been very important for social movements and anarchist networks. Um, Often in the heat of action, it's difficult to find that time to reflect on the meaning and the context of struggle. Um, Cindy does that in a very um, thoughtful and important way. I recorded this conversation with Cindy and we talked about, you know, a couple of specific campaigns. One of them is Stop Cop City in Atlanta. Cindy has been there to support the movement, which is against the construction of a mass police training center outside of Atlanta in Georgia in the United States. The movement to Stop Cop City has been amazing, uh, including a lot of you know, cultural gatherings, music, but also has faced deadly repression. Uh, This is a movement taking place in the context of Black Lives Matter, where there's been huge calls to defund the police um, and to think and reconsider financial priorities. Stop Cop City has really um, taken uh, this context and applied the critique of social movements to a very specific example in Georgia um, where they're building this huge police training facility. Environmental justice groups, indigenous groups, anarchist groups have been involved in that and Cindy is part of that network so we talk about that. We talk about other things um, and I'll let the conversation speak for itself. Here's my conversation with Cindy Milstein. Yeah, hi, thank you for sitting down with me on a nice sunny day yeah. <laughs> um, as spring is starting to emerge, which I think is sort of what the book is okay. in a way doing is Respect. like, how do we see little inklings of life amid times that we, it's really hard to find. And, you know, whether that's in nature, um, walking around seeing the first spring flower or finding examples of, you know, love and solidarity and mutual aid in very egalitarian ways in a world that's pretty brutal right now yeah so um i am like everybody else a messy and hopefully beautiful human being who (laughs) tries really hard to embody like love care and solidarity in this world as part of what it means to aspire to always be an anarchist and um yeah i put books together and do organizing and do solidarity work 
and I like creating spaces where we can practice different ways of being and I understand books as part of that a space for people to step into and yeah be generatively challenged to think about different ways of being and living and so for this project maybe you could just describe a bit the process and some of the ideas you wanted to lift up yeah um the title try anarchism for life i started kind of just playing around with that years ago yeah. as an instagram ta- uh, hashtag yeah. for posts that i do on instagram which is sort of also where this book emerged from interesting i walk a lot and i like to observe mm-hmm. and i take pictures of street art or mostly street art but other things and and then sometimes when i want to write about a topic i'm like oh that image goes with what i want to write about so i write little picture prose a lot and I really like that form. And so I was doing that with Trianarchism for Life. And um, So the picture is like a window. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I started doing that on Instagram, I think, because it was a way for me to write short. And I sort of started really liking that form. It's like, how can you say a lot with both an image and also in a compact space? And it seemed like it resonated with people. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll put together small sort of picture prose in a book forms someday okay. <laughs> and um yeah. and trying to kiss for life i started using that but i really liked it because it was kind of this double play on well triple sort of um that anarchism is always about experimentation we're never going to be in this perfect world so we're always trying <laughs> and um and i hope we'll try to do that for all of each of our lives um until I'm no longer here and then pass it on to others or etc that we all do that but then the reason I do it and I hope other people do it and to me what's at the heart of anarchism is we're doing this to create lives worth living and we're the people that are the generators of life against a death machine you know whether that's colonialism or capitalism or you know racism patriarchy anti-semitism <laughs> you know we could go through the laundry list of horrible death machines and um, you know whether people are anarchist or anarchistic we're trying to think about ways to like live cooperatively and you know seeing people for their inherent worth and the eco- ecology for its inherent worth and things like that so it was sort of this triple so anyway back to the the book i was like walking around a lot and i think it was actually when i was here in montreal at one point i saw a scrawled circle a on the wall and i and i always love seeing that when i see that on the wall and i took a photo and then i was like oh my god i have a million scrawled circle a's on my on my phone that I could use for posts but then I started thinking why is it that we can't I I don't think I've ever seen on a wall a circle a that is done really aesthetically beautiful that visually talks about what is beautiful about anarchy like how it generates life not just that it's kind of like a critique but what is it and if you don't know what a circle a is you wouldn't even understand a scrawl so what would be something that could visually portray some of the values just by someone looking at it the same way you know and people would understand what it meant as opposed to an a you know, if they don't know so i start i wrote a prose about that and then some of my friends who are artists were like wow i've never thought of drawing something like that and they just started drawing them and i just started a little game on instagram it's like oh people should send them to me you know i'll, I'll post them and uplift them and then i thought oh this is what i should write so the book now is what it it is like i did a call for people to draw circle A's that each one is what they understand Mm. the beauty part of the beauty of anarchism to be one dimension for them or several you know so Mm -hmm. some one one person I know is like really does a lot of work around um uh you know animals 
being having as much worth as humans and you know thinking about what we eat and how we how we produce food etc and how we treat animals and so um you know part of their circle a embodies a world in which we're like in harmony um i think there's as a bunch of like little creatures hanging out together side by side sticking in solidarity with each other and a lot of their drawings are based upon um, non-human animals <laughs> you know? um yeah and so each of them and then i picked the 26 i kind of thought i could write so, there was a bunch of other beautiful ones i didn't pick and um what i loved about this project is a bunch of them are already even before the book came out a lot of people were just like oh i'm just gonna turn these into stickers or t-shirts or put them out in the world for solidarity fundraisers or you know so it just also generated a bunch of stuff in the world already yeah but anyway so the book is um short prose pieces that i wrote that play off of the drawings about some of the many beautiful dimensions of anarchism mm -hmm. and the last thing i'll say is i meant it as sort of a challenge or a game for us to be like how can we actually you know we're really good at saying all the things we hate and we don't like doing and meanwhile we're doing all these really beautiful things <laughs> and we often don't take the time to say hey you know those people that um you know in your neighborhood or are just hanging out and sharing food constantly or taking care of each other or you know mutual setting up aid. yeah mutual aid or doing these things whether they use a label or not we never like when someone says oh what is anarchism we I've, i so much of it we just don't even like shout out at the great things we do so in a way it's this, it was this challenge to say like how could we actually talk show mm. show the beauty of anarchism mm -hmm. more because I, I think that's more i think most people it's it's most people want to live lives worth living you know and most people do resonate with cooperation and solidarity and forms of collective care and want to decide the world together with their friends and neighbors and loved ones and they just don't know how to do that or they don't see that they're already doing it you mentioned this idea that um a lot of anarchists are doing community work that um is really lifting up cooperation uh lifting up uh you know concepts that became pretty important in the pandemic like mutual aid meaning that they were discussed in a much wider uh network of social milieus you know like mutual aid became a, a mainstream quote-unquote if to use a term discussion point um and you know you talked about sort of like political process and and so i guess one one way we could look at this is politicians and political parties often are trying to adapt themselves to speaking for what community activists and organizers are doing mostly it seems to be one of the main practices uh, of politicians um so if if we're thinking about the pandemic you know like um setting up of like uh food delivery services or setting up of you know um medical care um for people who are excluded for example due to status issues or ability issues or whatever it is uh, a lot of people are excluded from these public systems and a lot of the original demands for public institutions also came from an anarchist demand in their origins huh. so just thinking about um sort of actually challenging um the the origin points of a lot of not that there's a fixed origin point but just challenging this idea that um anarchist ideas of cooperation and mutual aid actually are at the root 
of a lot of the structures and social relations that sustain uh, our collective well-being. Yeah, I, and I mean, anarchists didn't invent it either. I, like, sure. we're just the caretakers, or we picked up the, the flame, in a way, of what humans have been doing probably for as long as there's been humans. I mean, we're social creatures. All sorts yeah. of other social creatures cooperate, and it helps them not just survive, but thrive, you know? So I don't want to say anarchists invented mutual aid, but um, but I think what anarchists are really good at yeah. <laughs> is, um, like you said, sort of, you know, when these moments happen, mm-hmm. um, like having the kind of again caretaking and, and skills to be like out there and be like hey we could help you figure out how to do this you know because we we do this a lot right we do this when there's not these moments let's say and yeah. so um like during the pandemic the beginning a lot of anarchists were suddenly doing mutual aid but they weren't yeah. necessarily like going hi i'm an anarchist mm-hmm. and a lot of people were doing mutual mm-hmm. aid and it what because when there's total abandonment Mm-hmm. People do as social creatures. They just look to each other suddenly, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, how could we figure this out together?" And people generally can figure stuff out together and just do it because we do have most of what we need and desire between us all. And we start asking those questions. So, what anarchists then do when it starts getting co-opted or recuperated mm-hmm. or professionalized? Um, in the case of mutual aid, it's become charity, and it's become about like, "Oh, I wrote a check." And that's mutual aid, as opposed to what I think most anarchists understand mutual aid. It's like a deep social relationship of reciprocity mm-hmm. and collective care and us just looking out for each other materially and immaterially. Um, mutual aid can be, you know, sitting with someone who's having a hard time and help, you know, helping them get through it. So how do we, we try to cultivate the social relationship and the sort of Yeah, a social relationship that gets at, wow, if we kept these social relationships up, it transforms also how society is organized. And maybe we could have a different society. We weren't depending upon the state deciding to give some people some things and abandon a whole bunch of others. Um, You know, so unfortunately, each, you know, we're not in a completely anarchistic world. So, you know, as anarchists, I think I, I think one of the pieces talks about this is it can be pretty lonely at times to be an anarchist in a way you're always like, wow, we see how wonderful this could be, you know, and sometimes people kind of don't or fall back on like the pandemic now people fall back on like oh well i can just depend on this you know a lot of people can go back to depending on things and forget about other people who are still being abandoned and so anarchists have to kind of be like okay how can we try again (laughs) you know to think of other ways to Mm -hmm. get people or how can we keep these experiments up yeah so i in a way our role is is that kind of again carrier of that flame that's that that spark throughout human history like you know the most beautiful moments in human history when people really do collectively love and care for each other and everybody feels included and, and worthwhile and part of something and I think when we all whether you're whether you call yourself an anarchist or not you know whether it's with friends or in communities we we know the qualitative difference it feels like when we all feel like we're in something together and all taking care of each other and all looking out for each other and experiencing the joys and sorrows of life together it really qualitatively feels beautiful mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm. but yeah. well yeah and uh just building on a lot of what you said um there's like this question of agency um in terms of like the social structures that are uh omnipresent right like 
and also the, a lot of the violations of you know people's bodies, sense of self that happens from state institutions and corporate institutions, capitalist institutions, um, and I think there's often this um, urgency and this rush um, to sort of not step back and think critically about how to create political processes that are outside of the expected framework. Mm-hmm. And anarchist action, you know, embodied in your book, Try Anarchism for Life, you've asked people to do these illustrations of different visions of why they're drawn to and practicing um, actions and community organizing around these ideas. But this, this idea that... Um, stepping outside of what's expected in terms of politics and you you know um you know we can think about like an example like food not bombs as like a basic example it's like people feeding those struggling with precarity on an economic level social level whatever the issues are and in a lot of cities in the united states they are criminalized or shut down or attacked even by cops um that's just one example there's many so maybe just thinking about the importance of people taking action outside of the prescribed political parameters. Yeah. I mean, there's so many incredibly beautiful examples almost every day. And if you look, if you kind of look around the world. And so I guess in a way that's what this book's like a lot of the prose I tried to write really, really poetically, like kind of like I was trying to write as if they're musical compositions Mm -hmm. and um, the beauty in the word too. Like how do we think about looking for all those moments and beauty that, inspire each other and um all do our part to do that and so um but i mean if some of them i think a lot of what that book is showing is like it's this kind of magical thing i don't know how to do like for people to believe in themselves including us you know we're part of this to say hey we all have needs and desires what would it look like to try to act on those with others and a lot of times we feel like well we need to wait for someone to tell us how to do that or set up the structures and I don't know you know how do you step across that magical line and go wait we could actually just do this you know and I don't want to minimize how hard it is because you know they're really powerful structures but you know I don't know it's been really poignant for instance it's happening in Canada and the United States right now where um, a real backlash against um, drag shows and trans people and queer bodies and you know fascists are attacking one of the most beloved and cooperative institutions and actually anarchistic institutions in society, libraries, <laughs> when people are doing drag story hours for kids. That seems the most wholesome for like kids and libraries, you know, <laughs> usually the, mm. and, you know, people are just being like, hey, we can, we can self-organize community self-defense that looks like people coming dressed up in beautifully fabulous outfits and playful outfits and queer and you know, all sorts of ages, and we can do this big, incredible, fabulous dance or party, etc., and stand up against a fascist and let the defend a library and kids listening to stories and bodily autonomy. And they're putting their bodies on the line by doing that because the fascists, you know, especially in the United States, come armed. And um, in, here in Canada, um, you know, there's been examples of death threats against libraries and things that have done that and people that have wanted to do those shows so i don't know it's just a beautiful moment where you take even the something that already has like this beautiful value and people being like hey we can just we don't have to like also look to like something like the cops who are actually defending the fascists when you go to these things usually so you know how do we do that i i think it's 
it's a real mind shift. And I want, I think this book is meant to just inspire people to go, hey, there is really no magic in this. There's just us doing what we love and care about and feel passionate about and in empathy and compassion with each other. And I know you and I were talking before we started is um, I and many, many, many hundreds of people right now are doing a huge amount of um, jail and court and legal solidarity and emotional care for folks in Atlanta around a movement called Stop Cop City. It's two years old. People have been defending the destruction of a forest to be built into a giant, one of the biggest police training facilities to train police to crush movements, <laughs> largely, and in one a majority black city to crush, you know, to continue to kill, train people, you know, police to seem to be a, basically like a, able to kill with impunity. So there's been this beautiful movement that's involved like mass, you know, people doing collective kitchens and, you know, mutual aid, seed sharing and tree planting and grief and holiday rituals and, and demonstrations and tree sets. And it's been really, really beautiful. And the state is cracking down now and has arrested people and is charging people who were doing a lot of those activities I just described, or allegedly, you know, um, making music or being in the forest and charging them with domestic terrorism for being in the forest, for care, you know, caring about the ecology of the world and wanting people to not be killed by police and all the things we think should be kind of just like, wouldn't those be values we would care about? And so the beauty of solidarity behind the scenes and someone was relaying, who's been doing a lot of solidarity, was relaying how they're doing a lot of support to the families of some people who are arrested and facing these charges. And the families aren't political at all. And the families keep saying, well, who are you? Why are you doing this? You don't even know my kid. Like, what institution are you with? And they just keep trying to explain, well, I'm just a human who really cares. And I would, I'm doing this for you and someone will do it for me. And if we all do it for each other. And they said just the transformation of like when the people, the kind of a light bulb's gone off for them. They're like, it feels so much more profound to them. And they feel so much more trusting and cared for. The person was just talking about the shift. It's really moving, you know, and they're an anarchist, but they didn't tell the, tell these people that, you know, they're just like, I'm going to be here for you, you know, and you can do that for someone else. And yeah, so part of breaking the mystique and, you know, politicians and the state and the police, they all say, oh, you're not, you're not capable of deciding these things for yourself. And, you know, I've done other books on this too. And in this book also saying, you know, no, we all know how to decide mm-hmm. for ourselves mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And we have to mm-hmm. reclaim those ways of doing that, whether that's in circles of friends or in communities or in whole cities, you know, Respect. regions. And again, the more we do it, I always find this, you know, I'm like people always go, oh, when you vote, you have like one thing you can say yes or no to that someone else created the question for. And when you get together with, let's just say a group of friends and you have some conundrum between you all, you all start just talking about it and you come up with all sorts of other questions mm-hmm. and m- maybe multiple answers and maybe five solutions, you know, you want to try. And it's so much more beautiful than anything that you could ever do that would be just about checking a box because you're Mm. seeing the fullness of what you all need and want and can do a lot of that's about listening and creating space you talked about your book projects as creating space but also protest camps create space so we're talking about the protest to stop cop city in atlanta where there's been deadly repression from um various uh police and military Uh, styled state forces in the United States, um, including the killing of a young activist. 
Um, so this space that has been maintained is protesting police violence, but also uh, environmental destruction and also creating a space where people can reimagine, um, you know, sort of their ideas of what society could be in a lot of ways. And you described it. So can you just maybe as, as an example, because one of the sections is about direct action, right? Mm-hmm. And cop, the protests against Cop City in Atlanta are... Uh, direct action, right? This idea of taking action outside of prescribed parameters, as we were talking about. So maybe, um, you know, and, and the book, it talks about that section talks about how there's two sort of sides to direct action. One is like this very intense confrontation with power, but also the possibility that it opens. Yeah. 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 There was just a horrible hearing yesterday in a courtroom remotely for the de- folks being charged with these horrible charges in Atlanta and they denied them bond and one of the prosecutors the prosecutor was going you know we're fine we're all for peaceful protest but they're involved in direct action and I thought okay you know he doesn't understand like I mean direct action just means that you directly take an action (laughs) so literally like and so you know any a lot of things we do in our lives we're like wow I can directly do the dishes at after I'm at a friend's house I can after a meal I can directly go do that you know so I mean, but how we understand direct action sort of political context is the one is like, there's something we don't like. There's, you know, um, yeah, there's a pipeline about to be built and um, um, we're going to take direct action and, you know, block shipments of the pipeline coming by people sitting in front of the train, tra- on the train tracks, you know, which is the things have happened in Canada. Or dismantling the train tracks. Yeah, or dismantling yeah. the train. Like take direct action to stop the machines of death. <laughs> And, um, and that's a very beautiful and legitimate form of direct action. And within that, for those, if you, those who may have never have done any of those forms of direct action, um, blocking an intersection, anything, you know, there's all sorts of beautiful cooperation and solidarity and people having each other's back. So it's not distinct from the other form of direct mm-hmm. action. I think mm-hmm. they almost always happen simultaneously. But the other sort of direct action, which I find to be like... You know, we don't want to spend our lives just trying to stop things we hate. That would <laughs> destroy us, and the state and the police and colonialism and capitalism will win. What we have that they don't ever have and they never will is we have the direct action to take care of each other, to decide how we want to do our forms of direct to to make decisions for ourselves. So the other form of direct action is when we directly start living the lives we want to live in the here and now. And not wait for some other time. And this really, I think, distinguishes anarchism or an anarchistic politics from other forms where we're not waiting for some day when everything's going to be perfect because we know it never will be. Mm-hmm. We're like in the here and now, always, mm-hmm. how can we try to act as if that world were already here? That was a conversation with Cindy Milstein, who's an author and an activist, recently published the book, Try Anarchism for Life, The Beauty of Our Circle. They have been very involved in social movement organizing uh, for many years and contributed many important books um, that create space to reflect on movement dynamics. Thank you, Cindy, for being on the program today. This has been another edition of Free City Radio. We broadcast on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. CJLO 1690 a.m. also in Montreal, Geogiagi, on Tuesdays at 1 p.m.
CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg at 10.30 p.m. on Tuesdays, CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays, and on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, B.C. on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. and Saturdays at 7 a.m. You can find our archives at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Also, look us up. We are a podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just look up Free City Radio. Thank you again to Cindy for being on the program. And um, I will be back next week with another conversation. Uh, In the meanwhile, take care and talk to you soon. Bye.